0: Over the chaos and loud conversation in the emergency department, you hear your resident yell, We need two more units of packed red cells, two units of platelets, and two units of fresh-frozen plasma to room 5. stat!" All the commotion centers on David, a 65-year-old man transferred by helicopter from a local hospital, where he was initially evaluated and treated for a massive GI bleed secondary to a large duodenal ulcer. He received 8 units of packed red blood cells at the other hospital. David's hemoglobin now is very low, and he is unresponsive. His blood pressure is 88 over 56, and heart rate is 110 beats per minute. Besides ordering an emergent consult to GI and the packed red blood cells for transfusion, why did your resident call for fresh frozen plasma in David's condition? Hi, and welcome to Audio Bricks. My name is Alex Dennis, and this is the break covering the foundations and frameworks of blood. At the end of this episode, you'll be able to 1. Define the basic cellular and liquid components of blood 2. Define blood plasma and explain its importance and function 3. Compare and contrast the contents of plasma and serum. And 4. Explain plasma transfusion, fractionation, and exchange. Part 1. What is blood? Everyone knows what blood is, right? It's that thick, red liquid that transports oxygen and nutrients to cells and then removes carbon dioxide and wastes from them. But what are its components? Blood has four main components. Red blood cells, or the RBCs, which are also called erythrocytes white blood cells, which are also called leukocytes, platelets, that are also called thrombocytes, and finally there's plasma, which is the fluid that carries all of the cells. Almost half, or about 45% of the blood volume consists of the cellular components, and then plasma makes up the remaining 55%. If you centrifuge a tube of blood, the cells and plasma separate and form distinct layers, making it easy to visualize their relative proportions. Of all the blood components, the red blood cells are the heaviest, so they land at the bottom of the tube, forming a thick red layer. Just above the RBC layer is a thin, pale layer called the buffy coat, buff is the off-whitish color, consisting of the white blood cells and the platelets. The remainder of the blood, the plasma, settles at the top of the tube, forming a clear, straw-colored layer that comprises just over half of the total blood volume. Let's quickly recap before moving on... What are the three layers in a tube of centrifuged blood? There's the red blood cell layer at the bottom, then there's the buffy coat layer, which is composed of white blood cells and platelets in the middle, and finally there's the plasma layer at the top. Part 2. What are the types of blood cells? The blood cells can be divided into erythrocytes, leukocytes and platelets. Let's introduce them one by one. Erythrocytes, which are commonly called red blood cells, are red because they consist mostly of hemoglobin, which contains iron that creates a red pigment when it binds to oxygen. This cell has a biconcave shape whereby both sides of the cell's surface curve inward like the interior of a sphere, which allows it to easily maneuver through small blood vessels. Our bodies rely on red blood cells to deliver oxygen from the lungs to the tissues to keep them functioning. Red blood cells reversibly bind oxygen and carbon dioxide to deliver oxygen from the lungs to the tissues and to remove carbon dioxide from the tissues to the lungs. Moving on to leukocytes, leukocytes, which are commonly called the white blood cells, have multiple functions. The most important is to maintain our immune system, fighting off invading pathogens. But they also rid the body of dying or malignant cells. There are three types of white blood cells, the granulocytes, the monocytes, and the lymphocytes. The granulocytes consist of neutrophils, eosinophils, and basophils. They are called granulocytes because they contain specific cytoplasmic granules that are essential to their role in the innate immune system, our first line of defense. On the other hand, monocytes lack many of the specific granules seen in the granulocytes. They function to gobble up, phagocytose pathogens, and foreign material as they float around in the blood. Even more important, in the tissues, they transform into powerful immune cells called macrophages, histiocytes, which are critical for tissue defense. So in case that's not clear, monocytes in the blood are macrophages in the tissue space. Lymphocytes originate from a different cellular line than do erythrocytes, granulocytes, and monocytes. They're slightly larger than red blood cells, and they have a relatively large nucleus with very little cytoplasm. Lymphocytes are your adaptive immune system, i.e. your T-cells and B-cells, but also include the natural killer cells. All of these cells are key mediators of the immune response. Let's stop here for a knowledge check. What three cells make up the granulocytes? Those would be the eosinophils, the basophils, and the neutrophils. This group of leukocytes contains specific cytoplasmic granules essential to their role in the innate immune system. Last but not least, the platelets. Platelets are not really cells at all, but fragments of cytoplasm shed off of larger parent cells called megakaryocytes that reside in the bone marrow. Platelets are smaller than red blood cells, with a diameter of 2 to 3 times smaller. On histology, Inactivated platelets appear as small, bluish circles next to red blood cells, while activated platelets adopt a stellate phenotype and clump together. Platelets serve a critical function in clotting of blood, hence their alternative name, thrombocytes. Part 3. What is plasma? Plasma is the liquid component of blood, or the liquid in which the blood cells float. It contains many of the ions, proteins, and lipids that keep the body functioning. Plasma is about 92% water. This might sound like a boring fact, but it's actually very important. All that water lowers the viscosity or thickness of the blood, allowing it to flow smoothly through even the tiniest of vessels. Plasma water also acts as a circulating fluid reservoir, keeping cells and the space between cells, called the interstitial space, hydrated. So what's in plasma besides water? Mostly proteins, which make up about 7% of plasma, and inorganic salts like sodium, potassium, calcium, carbonate, and phosphate, which make up about 1% of plasma. As you probably already know, these components play critical roles in all kinds of physiologic processes, from tiny intracellular enzymatic reactions to big fluid shifts in the body. Let's pause here to see if that's stuck. What are the main components of plasma? Water makes up 92% of plasma, proteins 7%, and inorganic salts make up the final 1% of plasma volume. Besides acting as a reservoir, plasma helps the body maintain its blood pressure and even assists in regulating body temperature. It also contains many critical proteins, including albumin, immunoglobulins, and coagulation factors. Albumin is the most abundant protein in the blood it plays an important role in keeping the blood's fluid within the blood vessels via its role in determining the oncotic pressure, which is a form of osmotic pressure induced by proteins. Check out our episode on Starling forces for more details. Albumin acts to draw fluid into the capillaries from the tissues, so if you have too little albumin, as in liver disease, your plasma and therefore blood volume may drop and fluid can be drawn into the tissues, causing swelling or edema. Immunoglobulins, also known as antibodies, are the second most abundant type of protein in the plasma. They are made by B lymphocytes and are part of the body's immune system. And finally, the coagulation factors are proteins that work with platelets to clot blood. They activate each other in a cascade-type fashion, resulting in the conversion of fibrinogen, a large precursor protein, into fibrin, which superglues platelets together to form a nice, solid blood clot. Alright, this next question should be a gimme. What is the most abundant protein in plasma, and what is one of its main functions? The most abundant plasma protein is albumin, which helps maintain oncotic pressure and the proper amount of water in the plasma. Clinically, products prepared from plasma can also be transfused to help save lives. For example... Fresh frozen plasma can be given to patients who experience traumatic blood loss to help stop bleeding and maintain blood pressure. Now, we've talked about plasma quite a bit, but not so much about serum. So what's the difference? People often use these two terms interchangeably, but they are not the same. Both plasma and serum are routinely used for blood testing, and both contain glucose, hormones, electrolytes, and immunoglobulins. However... One key difference is that plasma has clotting factors, while serum does not include clotting factors. Repeat after me. Plasma has clotting factors, serum does not. Therefore, it should make sense to you that serum is obtained by clotting blood. For testing, sometimes serum is preferable as coagulation factors and contaminants like platelets and other blood cells might interfere with the assays. Part 4. How are plasma components used clinically? Now that we understand the composition and importance of plasma in the body, let's learn about how plasma components can be used to treat patients. If you draw a tube of blood, let it clot, and spin it down, you will see clot with serum on the top. This is the simplest procedure, and the most often done for blood testing. In order to create plasma, however, we cannot let the blood clot before spinning it down. Therefore. Added anticoagulants are needed when separating plasma from whole blood. So why use plasma, not serum? Well, that's because plasma contains coagulation factors and platelets, again, which may be needed by the patient. When a person donates blood, that blood can be separated into packed red blood cells and plasma, and whole plasma can further be separated into plasma components. This separation allows us to treat a variety of different conditions and diseases, The main ways that plasma is used are plasma transfusions and plasma exchange, also called plasmapheresis. Plasma fractionation is the separation of the important components of plasma so that they can be used to treat specific medical problems. Do you remember the three main protein types found in plasma? Albumin, immunoglobulins, and coagulation factors. Turns out, those are the three that most commonly are fractionated. Human albumin can help patients with ascites, which is the abnormal fluid accumulation in the peritoneal cavity, and for restoring blood volume in individuals who have lost a lot of blood for trauma or burns. Clotting factors separated from plasma may be used to help treat particular bleeding disorders like hemophilia, where specific clotting factors are deficient. And then immunoglobulins can help people with immune deficiency disorders. Let's apply what we just learned. How can giving plasma components to a patient with hemophilia help with symptoms? Giving plasma components to a patient with hemophilia provides clotting factors that are deficient in hemophilia. What if we want to transfuse plasma? For plasma transfusions, plasma is separated from donated blood and frozen. This is how we get fresh frozen plasma. When it's needed, Fresh frozen plasma is simply thawed and given as a transfusion to the person in need. What types of patients will need a plasma transfusion? People with significant trauma or who are undergoing major surgery may need FFP if they experience a lot of bleeding. With excess blood loss, clotting factors become depleted and need to be replaced, and this can be done by transfusing FFP in addition to giving the patient red blood cells and platelets. After plasma transfusion there's plasma exchange. Plasma exchange, or plasmapheresis, is the continuous removal of blood from the body, separation of it into plasma versus cell, and replacement of the patient's plasma with a substitute, which is usually human albumin solution or normal saline, and that's in order to maintain the same blood osmolality. The plasmapheresis machine does all of this in one device, doing the pumping and separation slash replacement. This procedure is used for treating conditions in which there are harmful circulating antibodies, so you think about autoantibodies, or other proteins, in order to remove them. Such conditions include thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura, TTP, multiple myeloma, Waldenstrom microglobulinemia, and Goodpastor syndrome. In case you're wondering, plasmapheresis is similar to dialysis, but dialysis doesn't exchange the plasma component, it merely acts as an external filter kidney to remove waste from the blood. Let's try a final question before our review. What are the main uses for plasma products? The main uses for plasma products are plasma transfusion and plasma exchange. And that's all I have for you today on Foundation and Frameworks of Blood. Let's see what you want to be taking away from this episode. What are the three main cellular components of blood? Blood's three main cellular components are the red blood cells, the white blood cells, and the platelets. These exist in plasma, which is the fluid portion of the blood. What is the function of white blood cells and what are their three types? The white blood cells are our immune cells. There are three types of white blood cells, the granulocytes, the monocytes, and the lymphocytes. What are the components of plasma? Plasma is composed of water, proteins, and other solutes, such as electrolytes, nutrients, dissolved gases, waste, etc. What are the three most important protein types in plasma? The three most important protein types of plasma are albumin, immunoglobulins, and clotting factors. What is the main difference between plasma and serum? Serum is essentially plasma minus coagulation factors and any other cell contaminant. And finally, what are some of the ways in which plasma is used in clinical settings? Plasma and plasma components can be used for transfusions, fractionation, and exchange, which is plasmapheresis, to help treat various medical disorders. Now let's get back to our patient story from the beginning of this episode. Thinking back to David now, he's a 65-year-old man who got transferred by helicopter from a local hospital where he was initially evaluated and treated for a massive GI bleed secondary to a large duodenal ulcer. He received eight units of packed blood cells at the other hospital. David's hemoglobin is now very low, and he is unresponsive. His blood pressure is 88 over 56, and his heart rate is 110 beats per minute. Why did your resident call for fresh frozen plasma? Plasma contains clotting factors, which David emergently needs. With his massive GI bleeding, David has depleted his own clotting factors, and his prior transfusions of packed red blood cells, devoid of plasma, did not contain any clotting factors. However, they can be replenished with transfused, fresh frozen plasma. After these transfusions, aggressive resuscitative efforts and an upper GI endoscopy, which controlled the bleeding, David is transferred to the medical ICU and does well after a rocky first day. He has no further episodes of bleeding and requires no additional transfusion. And that's a wrap on Foundations and Frameworks of Blood. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. Your feedback is super helpful to us. You can also get the full RXBricks experience online at www.usmele-rx.com I will catch you on the next one.